Welcome to the ProcureTech Podcast, where we aim to excite and inspire you about how technology will shape our profession's future. I'm your host, James Meads, and I worked in corporate procurement for 16 years before starting my own business as a content creator and consultant in the procurement technology space. I'm deeply convinced that procurement must become less technocratic and embrace the entrepreneurial spirit and creativity if we're ever going to shake off our image of being a process-obsessed, box-ticking function. You definitely won't find vanilla content on here, and we're not afraid to tackle some controversial topics and tell it like it really is. So if that's your thing, now let's jump right into this week's episode. Yes, hello and a very warm welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast. We are the official podcast of procurementsoftware.site, your one-stop shop where you can go and search, find and filter over 330 different procurement tech solutions in less time than it takes you to boil an egg and all completely free of charge. And today we're actually got, we've actually got a double header for you uh, because we've got both a software company and uh, one of their customers who have successfully implemented said software solution. And I always love doing these because I think there's nothing stronger in terms of you as the listener having a, a specific business case to take to your, your C, to, to your CFO or CEO if you're like many people struggling to get budget or to get interaction from your internal stakeholders that ultimately need to fund the investment. So uh, a very warm welcome back to Nick Cruz, who is CEO of Canopy, who was a guest back on Series 2. Hello, Nick. Fantastic to be here. Thanks, James. Great to be able to share this with you. And then Anna Williams, who is the head of procurement at Unispace, who are an office design and build organization. Anna, very warm welcome. Hi, James. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be here. Fantastic. Okay, so before we dive in, let's just do a quick whistle-stop tour. Nick, first of all, to you, how you got into this space uh, as being CEO of a procurement tech company, because uh, as as we both know, you're not a procurement guy originally. And then Anna, I'll ask you the same thing of uh, of how you got to be at Unispace. Yes, I'm one of those terrible technology people masquerading as a procurement person, so you'll have to forgive me. Um, how did I end up here? <laughs> Uh, I've been in in the early stage tech space for for, for a long time. Um, I started my life in in this area as an investor uh, and then ended up joining um, some of those companies uh, in an operational capacity. And, you know, as these organizations scale in whichever area of tech they happen to be in, the operational challenge of growing phenomenally quickly and dealing with the array of different partnerships and organizations that you have to try and bring on board to support that journey is is one of the fundamental challenges that you have to solve. And so, you know, as the person leading that charge, I ended up being the de facto procurement person without necessarily um, realizing that I was doing the job. And so um, when I first met Doug McLean, who is the founder of Canopy um, and has been in this space for an incredibly long time, um, it was it was just an opportunity too good to be true. What they were doing was going to the heart of a fundamental challenge, which is how do we make sure that the data that we're working with when making supply chain decisions is accurate and up to date and visible to the people when they need it, so that they can actually go and and, and oper- op- operationalize their business and perform at the level they need to. And so, what we've done is 
built you know a robust product around that we've now got the team in place and 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 we're leading the charge on trying to solve these problems for people much like Anna um who who hopefully will share a bit of that with us today yeah thanks nick absolutely so anna anna over to you and i'd like to understand really your journey from having having been in procurement for a very large huge corporate you know, conglomerate in the in the real estate and facilities management space to then becoming head of procurement in in, in a more medium sized business and some of the some of the challenges and, and and advantages of that and what you've learned along the way. Yeah, I mean, obviously there are huge advantages with working with a smaller organisation in the fact that it's more of a greenfield site. You know, there's not so many hurdles that you need to jump through to be able to you know implement new pieces of software. You know, I'm a single, single subject matter expert in the field of procurement and everything that goes around uh, procurement, so compliance and things like that, which allowed me to, you know, put a business case together um, for the for the Canopy software. Uh, the transition is always quite difficult to go from very large to to, to more medium size, but it it's, it gives a lot more opportunity. So the CBRE side of things was a huge learning curve. And it allowed me to understand, you know, w- what a huge organization needs to be um, compliant and safe and the kind of hurdles that you need to jump to get a piece, you know, t- to make a huge um, change within a business. Um, and then I've been able to use that to really support the change program that we're going through at Unispace in this space. Got it. And that makes a lot of sense. I'm not going to put you on the spot and say whether it's better to work for a smaller organization or a larger one, but <laughs> they've they <laughs> both got unfair. their dimmer <laughs> No, I'm sure they have. So when you first arrived at Unispace, what I'm trying to get in get at here is you know, Canopy is a vendor intake and risk managed supplier risk management platform. And looking at it from the outside in especially coming from my history in working in procurement in mainly manufacturing businesses, one of the first things that you did was to implement Canopy. And I'm trying to understand why did you settle on this specific problem, not necessarily Canopy as a solution, but this specific problem over and above what I would, looking from the outside in, perhaps see as something more urgent like spend analytics or P2P. You know, amongst all the other problems that you had to deal with, could you maybe just walk us through why this one you felt was top of your list? I mean, I was I was lucky that I came in um, and the remit with, with coming in was blank canvas. What do we need to do? So I was I, I felt really privileged in that uh, to be put into that position of not being told what to do, not being told what the business um, wanted me to achieve. Um, and I spent the first couple of months really delving into how we did everything to do with procurement, you know, from from the spend analytics side, from, um, you know, onboarding suppliers, from, you know, doing the risk association of suppliers, our entire P2P process. And the spend analytics side of it, although I agree with you, it's 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 important. There wasn't a mandate to make fast savings. And there also wasn't a mandate to immediately improve the P2P process. Um, and so where I thought that I could best invest my time and business money and resource was the area that I felt that was mostly had the most exposure, which was the 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 entire risk management of our supply chain. Got it, which does make a lot of sense considering the industry that you're in. So 
Yeah. What is the reach of Canopy then within Unispace? How many staff eventually are going to have access to it in terms of proportion of total number of employees? Yeah. So we're operational across 18 countries and that is across the globe. So, you know, we've, we go as far as New Zealand. So all of our pre-con design, um, health and safety and operational teams will eventually have access to Canopy as well as anybody else who would like it. So the finance teams, for example. So anybody who touches a supplier in any element of their role, whether it's from a health and safety perspective, a payment perspective, a wanting to do business with them perspective, they will have access to Canopy. So I'd estimate probably around about 85% of the Unispace staff um, will eventually touch Canopy in some way or another. And, and that's music to my ears, Anna, to, to hear you say that, because at the end of the day, that speaks directly to our vision. You know, why is it that we need to lock data away in siloed systems because, I don't know, someone has decided that we can't afford to buy another user license or, you know, yeah. and, and, and that is the case with a lot of licensing models and the way that a lot of these technology companies end up you know, actually monetizing themselves is that we're going to put a, a, a tax, a tariff on the volume of this thing. Well, you know, in our world, you know, we sort of think you need every supplier in there, you need it to be fully visible, and you need everybody in the organization who who needs access to that data to their job to yeah. have access. So go and do it. And, you know, our job is then to figure out, well, how do we get out the way? How do we remove the obstacles? to allow you to do the things that, that you want to do and get that reach. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've worked in procurement for my whole career um, and I've worked on many different platforms that do kind of vendor management. And I've never come across one that doesn't have a licensing model like the Canopy platform. And I've always worked in organizations where you'd end up getting to a situation where you were picking and choosing who had access to the data. And that just doesn't work. You know, the supply chain is so... Um, critical to everybody's business. You know, without a supply chain, I can't think of one business that would survive without a supply chain. So to to limit visibility of supply chain data based on license agreements and things like that, to me, is just a really naive model that most other software companies have. Yeah, it's interesting to hear that because I can see why triaging access to something like a spend analytics tool or or uh, or, or something like an e-sourcing, e-auctions tool, if if that's predominantly going to be procurement people that look at that, that kind of makes sense. But yeah, you're absolutely right, especially you know even even though some users might only need view only access, it's absolutely imperative that as many of you as many people within your organization get to see and get to observe what data Absolutely. you're holding on your suppliers. We think yeah. like insurance certification, isn't it? Or, or as we look towards ESG, if that's becoming more of a priority for you in terms of buildings management. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's even just really basic stuff like, you know, I, I, most organizations I've worked for at one point or another have had a mandate to reduce the amount of suppliers that they're working with without visibility of who you're actually working with. I don't know how somebody within a business would even know who to go to. So, you know, it, it's, you know, you can't guess these types of things. So, you know, having full visibility and it, it is only, you know, most of it is only read only visibility, but it just, the platform allows people to understand who they can legitimately work with within that business. And I think just, just to add to that is as soon as you start, let's say your tariff was around the number of suppliers. Well, 
the logical thing would be, well, I'll put my highest spend suppliers in the system because those are the ones that matter. Those are the ones where I'm at, at most risk, say. I've got the largest sums of money changing hands. But generally speaking, those are the guys you happen to know very well anyway. You're yeah. actively going out of your way to build personal relationships with them. It's the really small guys where you've got the real issues, where you've got no visibility. Yeah. Um, you've got to bring everybody into the system. I mean, I think it was Eloise Epstein who pointed out quite rightly that, you know, who would have thought in 2020 that the most important supplier to your business would be the cleaner? Because if you yeah. didn't <laughs> disinfect your work surfaces, then no one could show up to the office. I mean, yeah. you know, that's the world we live in today, you know, so we've got to be able to, to account for that system and, and build structures that, that allow that to happen. Yeah, 100%. And it's usually, and as, as you say, it's rarely your most strategic vendors that surprise you because usually if there's a problem there, you'll see it coming because someone's actively managing them. Whereas, yeah, it's the, uh, it's the supplier that you need to get spare parts from for a machine that's 40 years old and that you only, that, that only delivers something once a year that typically is the, the one that's going to drop you in, in the sticky stuff. Yes, it's, uh, yeah. I completely agree. So, so Nick, I'll, I'll stay on this with you you then. So that's all well and good. But if that's a standalone platform, you're not going to stop people then accessing or buying from rogue vendors that you don't want to deal with if, if it's not connected to your ERP or whatever system you're using to execute purchase orders and to, and to pay vendors. So maybe talk to us a little bit around how do you integrate with various different ERPs and, and what's the relation in terms of where Canopy sits in the, in, in the larger ecosystem? Yeah, it's, it's a brilliant question. And, um, and you're absolutely right. At the end of the day, you know, dare I say it, most people are lazy. They are looking for the quickest route to solving the immediate problem in front of them. So if it's ordering something from a supplier uh, if you're somebody, say, in the commercial team, you have a known supplier you want to order, order from, you know how to raise that purchase order in ERP and you are given the opportunity to do it, then you'll go and do it. Of course you will, regardless of what any third-party system has to say about their validity or, or whether they're still approved to be used. So it's absolutely critical that Canopy talks directly to ERP. Um, in our experience, and we've been, we've been working with every flavor of ERP system under the sun for, for quite some time in various different countries around the world, unanimously what we have noticed is that ERP systems are understandably rigid systems. They run the financial ledgers of your business. They have to manage the cash in your organization. It's, it's completely recognizable that any finance director would be nervous about making wholesale changes to the way that they work. So our approach is, let's leave ERP be. Let's not try and disrupt the existing structures that you have built within that in order to just accommodate Canopy. So but that doesn't mean that you need, you, you can forego all of these approval checks and making sure that you've actually got clarification on when you can work with a supplier. So Canopy essentially becomes that intelligence layer that sits on top of ERP. So all that clever stuff all those business rules that you've built around the levels of spend that would automatically be, be approved or when risk might flag you to require certain information before you're allowing someone to make a decision or where you need eyes on approval on something before something can happen. 
whether that's during the initial onboarding of a supplier or throughout the life cycle, because something within that supplier changes. All of that intelligence sits in Canopy. Canopy produces off the, off the back of that a very simple rag indicator that says, are you allowed to work with them or are you not allowed to work with them? And then we feed that directly to ERP so you can turn off a supplier for future, future purchase orders if you need to until that issue is being resolved. So that's an absolutely critical part of the journey. So Canopy now is driving the availability of the supplier in ERP. And it goes further than that, obviously, because if you can onboard into Canopy and talk to ERP, then I've immediately set up the vendor in ERP without a finance clerk having to sit there and type a record in. So you're immediately building efficiency savings. Or if the supplier needs to update their information, well, you're never going to give them access to your ERP record. So let the supplier update their banking information within Canopy. That feeds directly to ERP. You've got that locked down. So from a fraud um, pre- uh, prevention perspective, that's a secure process, and you're not having to to open up, you know, issues around rogue terminals and uh, and things like that. So that's absolutely critical. Um, how do we do it? Is a great question. We've actually developed over the years various different techniques. Our preferred, naturally, is to work with an API, whether that's an API we receive from the ERP system or you use our API to to connect into yours. But we do come across instances where as I said, finance directors are understandably nervous about some third-party system like Canopy automatically updating ERP without some sort of check in the middle. So we also have mechanisms where via various uploads and, and, and so on, you actually have direct control around when information can be uploaded. And that's purely just to make sure that you know, you're, you're covering off the various data approvals that you need internally um, before you do anything. Got it. So the, there are various different ways that you can do it, but fundamentally, you would always encourage that that it does have that interaction, just so as it's foolproof in terms of doing what it's supposed to do from a from a compliance and risk perspective. Yeah, and it's instantaneous as well. Then once you can do that, and I mean, what what a beautiful thing to have the two systems talk to each other, you know, because then you can also feed ERP data straight back into Canopy, and and that's the whole point of Canopy. That's what we do with other systems across the organization, whether that's CLM or third-party tools like, uh, you know, credit agencies and so on, is we want all that data to be just fed into a single supplier profile. So you log in and see everything you need in one place. You haven't got to start logging into multiple other systems to, to find out what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So, Anna, let's dig into this then in a bit more detail on your side. Can you maybe talk through some of the more granular details of what Canopy gives you now as a tool that you weren't able to access before? Uh, data, 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 data. <laughs> um, <laughs> just being able to understand where we were spending money, really. Who, who were we dealing with? The spend analytics, you know, th- that we had from our P2P gave us some level of data, but that was only giving me a name of an organisation. And I, I, you know, I don't have the time or the resource to be able to spend hours googling and going through various different third-party agencies to understand who that organisation was. Um, so the Canopy platform has given us a huge insight into who we are dealing with and who we are spending money with. And I'm not talking at a high level, a company name, so that I can, you know, consolidate a load of spend in a particular category or anything like that. It's really delving down into that level of detail and fully understanding a risk posed by a supplier so that I've got a full level of data to be able to analyze a complete risk. 
So when I say risk, I'm talking about everything. I'm talking about financial stability. I'm talking about the ability to give a purchase order for a particular amount of money. I'm talking about being to back off client terms with a particular supplier. Um, you know, the kind of ESG, sustainability, modern day slavery, everything that that we need to think about now in a broader sense of procurement. I now have that information on a singular platform and all of my delivery teams and pre-construction teams also have that visibility so that rather than having to go through a centralized procurement function, taking days on end to get information back, it's all at their fingertips as well. So now my entire team that spends money within Unispace has at the tip of their fingers the ability to assess the risk of what it is that they are doing with that particular supplier. Yeah, and it means, I guess, that you don't have to triage that activity just based on on a nominal spend figure, which is how most procurement organizations, I guess, do it. And as we all know, it doesn't necessarily indicate the level of of risk, does it, as we spoke about earlier? Exactly. And I think that is, I mean, you know, we've all learned that over the last three years. I think we have all learned that and we've all learned a huge lesson. And I actually think that, you know, to go in and immediately channel your energy into, you know, your top 10 spend suppliers just isn't the right way to de- analyze risk anymore. You know, it, it's looking at your entire supply chain, understanding what it is that you actually do as a business and, and channeling your energies in the correct risk level that your supply chain represents. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I think triaging it by spend is often a good way to look at it from a supplier development and innovation perspective, but you're exactly right. It doesn't give you much insight in terms of potential risk because there's so many more things at play. Yeah. Yeah. Nick, so let's go back to you then. Anna spoke a little bit about risk and you mentioned credit checks in in one of the answers you gave earlier. So what other risk integrations do you have within the platform or what other things could potentially link up with it you know, how, how has your journey evolved essentially from, you know, you started out from being pretty much a pure play vendor intake platform, but now you've evolved as you've developed your product into being more of a full stack supplier risk management sort of tool. So maybe talk to us a little bit about that journey and, and what different features can now be plugged into it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so um, I'd say where Canopy is now, just thinking about your, your sort of articulation of where we've come from is, Risk is very much at the heart of every single profile that, that that will exist on Canopy, each supplier profile. So the first time that we come across a supplier, we conduct a risk assessment. And that risk assessment happens automatically within the system. Um, and there are various different types of risk that we look at, financial risk, data security risk, uh, health and safety risk, uh, anti-bribery and corruption, you know, various different types of risk that over the years we've built out. Um, as a as a customer, obviously you can add to that. You can evolve that. You know these are all elements of the system which which adapt to fit the particular need of that 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 particular client and what they're looking to do. But that risk assessment then sits at the core of understanding right where is this supplier in terms of the level of due diligence that needs to be performed. Because if you don't understand risk, then you don't really understand well what is it that I need to find out. You know, or can I just approve them straight away without having to do anything? Right, and and so. We have a, a rules engine that sits at the core of the system that then determines the outcome of what now needs to take place and the activities that, that, that need to be performed. And the whole point of that is to eliminate any wastage that might take place. So you're putting everyone through the same 
process, you can have confidence that every supplier in the organization has undergone the same level of scrutiny, but this, the system through a series of business rules has determined, right, who actually needs to go to an nth degree of due diligence and who can get a slightly easier ride because risk has determined what's necessary or not. So, so that sits at the core anyway. That comes as part of the standard canopy platform. It's not something you pay extra for. It's not something that you need to have some relationship with the third party to do. Um, but then what we do is, is we connect into various third party credit agencies or, or, or third party risk management platforms. You know, we, we connect into people like Safe Contractor and, and Aveta, for example, in the uh, construction industry. They're quite well known sort of construction industry. Uh, contractor accreditation services that exist, and we will just pull data automatically from them if you happen to be a supplier in that particular sector, for example. So those all exist to enhance and build on the risk profile that we're building. Um, but it's, it's fascinating because you do sometimes see discrepancies between these various different risk tools. And I think it really speaks to the heart of, well, what actually is that organization doing to assess the risk? Um, the risk model that sits at the heart of Canopy is something that is built in tandem with the particular customer that we're working with. And that's part of the journey that we go on with them to make sure that, you know, in the case with, with Anna, for example, you know, we sat down and we spent some time with her various teams across the organization to understand, well, what's really important for them in their business that needs to trigger certain things to happen doesn't necessarily mean the model that we've built together with Anna is going to be applicable to other people. So we go on that journey each time. But you do see discrepancies between these sort of third parties that are offering an accreditation standard and actually what you as an organization need to actually operate your business. And that's where we sort of come in is to try and bridge that gap and give you that understanding. Yeah, and the each customer is different uh, argument is very, very valid, isn't it? And I always say that, that just because a famous a well-known CPO has done a spread in one of the procurement glossy publications doesn't necessarily mean that that tech solution is going to be the right thing for your business because you don't know that individual's maturity or, or management model or organizational structure, political setup or anything like that. So yeah, it's, uh, it is very unique and having that understanding of the individual customer is, 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 is key. I mean, that, and that is the sort of, that is, I guess, that is very much our journey, which is, you know, Canopy is not a system where, uh, you know, you, you, you sign a contract and we give you a login and off you go, you know, go and use it. You can do that if you wish. It's a, you know, it, it, it's, it's a, you know, plug and play solution. It works out the box. You don't need to do anything. I've never come across a single customer that we've worked with, Anna included, where where that is the case, right? We go through a journey with you to make sure that the way that the system is configured, the business rules that you have built into it, the way that we think about risk is very much tailored to what your business needs. Um, and so that piece of, dare I say, consultancy that happens up front, that's critical. That's what differentiates your instance of canopy from just something generic you can buy on the shelf to make sure that it really does fit the need of your business. Yeah, and just the whole model of what it does, it's obviously different to, you know, a simple source to pay or, or, or contract management solution for a, for a 10, 20 million pound or euro business, isn't it? It, it goes much further than that. So yeah, I, I get how it's probably not going to be applicable to try and just take it out of the box and plug it and play it, even though in theory it, it probably would work. Yeah. 
So I want to bring you both into this. So Nick, more from the theoretical side, but Anna, for you, more from the practical side. Nick, you've obviously implemented, or your team has implemented Canopy across a different range of clients and industry sectors. And I I suspect in most cases, they're switching from an Excel-based new supplier form model to to a a, a more mature or or, or risk-resilient form of intake through using Canopy. So on the theory side, maybe just walk through a typical journey of how that would work. And then Anna, while Nick's answering that, maybe you can have a think of some concrete examples of of some of the pain points that, data aside, that you feel that it's taken away, you know, moving from a spreadsheets model to a a cloud-based SaaS model in this regard. So yeah, so certainly, um, uh, I, I mean, I guess the, the first thing to say is, is obviously that the fundamental business problem that Canopy is solving is generally the same across all our customers, which is that we're helping you to get visibility across all of the supplier data that you hold and, and make that readily accessible to you. That's the fundamental premise of what this is all about. And when we say data, you know, what do we mean by data? We mean Everything from who is the emergency contact to where's the contract to, uh, you know, do I know the indemnity level on a particular insurance certificate? Uh, you know, do I even know who it was in my organization who approved that we work with the supplier and what's a time and date stamp and when that happened? I mean, it is literally every single piece of data. That's, that's where we help all our customers get to. But the journey to get there is always very different. And if you take that as a business problem, can feel quite overwhelming, right? That, that's a lot. That feels like a big journey and, and are you ready for it? So that's why we break the whole thing down. And invariably, the reason why a customer is working with us is because they have some immediate term challenge that they are looking to solve. And the way to solve that problem is to get better understanding of their data. So you know, to, to sort of give you a good example, um, we have a customer who was moving from one ERP system to another and they use Canopy as the conduit to do that. So the immediate role of Canopy in the relationship was deposit your old ERP information into us. We help you to cleanse that. And then we feed that into the new ERP system. And so we become the method of doing that. It's actually very difficult to move data from one ERP system to another without something in the middle. Yeah. Or it could be that, you know, you are expanding into a lot of new markets that you yourself are not that familiar with from a, a, a regulatory perspective or a compliance perspective. And so I want something, I want a tool to support the journey with those new suppliers. So I've got concrete evidence that I have followed all the necessary steps. Well, in that case, we may begin our journey with you by just focusing on those markets to begin with before trying to do an exercise to bring your home market on board, which obviously has a much larger supplier base. Um, so the journey is starts in a different place, and it depends on what the immediate business challenge is that you're looking to solve. And then over time, we gradually build out to the fuller vision. So if you you know look at somebody like CBRE, for example, who we've been working with for for over seven years, you know there are now fifty five thousand users on that platform, and they interact with millions of data points on a daily basis, and they run their entire operation via what we're doing, which is, you know, I mean, it's phenomenal that that they've been able to get to that point, but it's taken time to, to get there. What our job is to help understand what's the thing that we can solve for you today so that you can get over that immediate hurdle that is going to make your life immediately easier. And then let's go on the journey, build up to, to the whole thing. Got it. So 
that's the theory. So let's now over to you, Anna, talk about some of the specifics and, and some of the hard results. Because one of the things I'm curious about was, you know, how did you put together the business case and then validate that in terms of, you know, making this a story around how you're going to deliver ROI on it. So how did you quantify that? And what did you put in place to, to report back the financial ROI? Yeah, to, I mean, to be honest with you, it, it wasn't wasn't particularly difficult because we are um, such so spread out as a business geographically, and we tend to operate with a lot of SME supply chain. Um, we have a huge amount of supply chain, um, and the administrative task of managing that supply chain um, without um, a technology platform to administer it was vast. Um, and we had very highly skilled people, really, you know not utilizing their true skill set on say 50% of their of their work life because they were administering supplier data and so you know the ROI was actually you know allowing the teams that were doing the administrative tasks to actually do the tasks that they were employed to do really so it's a very very tangible uh, kind of positive that came out of the development and rollout of this platform you know, that was basically the kind of breadth of the business case, really. So they were, if I understand you correctly, then they were not administrators that were doing that. They were procurement managers that were spending up to half of their time on this non-value added admin in some cases. Uh, it, it was everybody in the business. So kind of health and safety personnel, finance personnel, you know, l- lots of different people touch the compliance aspect and the management of our ERP tool. And so there was lots of different people of very high skill sets, kind of, you know, doing very administrative tasks via email, via Excel spreadsheets and things like that. So it was really then just calculating what their effective hourly rate was and saying, you know, they shouldn't be paid this amount to be filling out new supplier forms in Excel. Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. So from a people's perspective, then, can you maybe just walk us through who did what before you were using Canopy? And how has that dynamic changed now in terms of what sort of things have they stopped doing and, and what have they been able to to deliver or work on as, like you say, the more added value or more strategic delivery that they that they should be doing, you know, for the for the salary grade that they're on? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think probably one of the biggest benefits was to our finance team. So our finance team, you know, stopped being, you know, almost overnight stopped being administrators and were actually then became the procurement professionals, you know, that they wanted to be. And so, so you know, that was an immediate bonus to us. And, you know, I think that was received really positively by them. You know, the, there's been, you know, a, a lot more job satisfaction from their perspective, you know, but, but also people like our, our health and safety teams, our data security teams and things like that, you know, Previously, they were pushing emails between themselves and, you know, have you approved this? Are you comfortable with this? And there was no audit trail particularly and there was no central storage. Um, and so there was a lot of duplication of work that just, it just caused frustration and it also caused frustration for our site teams because they didn't have any visibility of where in the approval process that supplier was. So they didn't know who they were chasing and so it's basically improved the productivity of the entire business. I'm not going to pinpoint it down to one department because it affected so many people in the business, you know, to be able to, what status is my supplier at? You know, can I raise an order for them? You know, 
who's it sitting with, has someone so approved it? And there was absolutely zero visibility on that. Um, and so to, to now give the entire business, you know, central a central platform to go to, complete visibility of where on the journey their suppliers at, and that in, includes the continuous compliance checking of it. They know immediately that there's, um, you know, that, that there's automation so that the uh, if a supplier goes out of compliance, the system is chasing them to go back into compliance again. So it's just taken a huge administrative burden off our entire business. It's really endearing to see to to see and hear today a business that gets that and that recognizes it because I don't think senior leaders in businesses are blind to the fact that procurement or and finance for that matter ends up doing a lot of administrative work on a day-to-day basis. But it's it's very encouraging to see that there's actually a business that's taken that on board and invested in it to to free up their time and to really get the value back that that their headcount and their uh, and and the size of their team can realistically deliver by working on more value added stuff. So yeah, kudos to to making it a success. Nick, I'll leave the last word to you because this is just one example, but you know, I, I sort of challenged Anna at the beginning saying, well, why would you pick this over and above spend analytics or e-sourcing or P2P? Who would you typically see as being a good fit for this as someone that's got a bleeding neck when this comes, uh, when, when this raises its head as a problem? You know, what would, what would be your typical industry sector or company size that would be a good fit? Well, I think Anna has actually articulated it pretty well. You know, Unispace is, is a very, good example of an organization we tend to help, you know, incredibly closely, which is organizations that have very, very, very small procurement teams. You know, Anna is, is you know, she she won't admit it, but she's a team of one. <laughs> um, typically, the, the teams that we work with are, are teams of no more than, than, you know, five. You know, you can count them all on one hand. So they are very, very stretched. They are predominantly Excel-based with potentially a login to ERP. But interestingly, we noticed that not everybody in a procurement team always has a login to ERP, which I find quite interesting. And that tends to be where, where they operate. And, and organizations where the supply chain is obviously a, a fundamental part of what it is that that organization does and delivers, where multiple departments are touching supply chain. So, you know, one of the examples that, that, that Anna didn't mention, but, but I'll bring up now is that we often find that commercial teams get a huge benefit where they are responsible for building a group of suppliers to support a particular project or initiative or new client engagement, where they now actually have a database of the supply chain in front of them. So if they want to find a supplier, I've just got to type a few words in or, you know, use a few filters or, you know, can very quickly find somebody who's already on the system, who's worked with us before. I can see who's worked with them. I can see their performance rating. I can give the person a call if I want and get a reference to see if I want to use them on my project. If you don't have something like that, I struggle to understand how a commercial team decides which supplier they're going to work with, other than asking the person next to them, trying to remember who they worked with last time, or just going to Google. And I think we all know the volume of work that onboarding a new supplier has for the business versus just working with somebody that you already know and have a relationship with and may have organized some favorable terms with as a result of that existing relationship. So, you know, there's huge benefits that can be had, but typically it is small procurement teams. You know, it's sort of one to five people typically in your team where you've got a number of departments across the organization 
touching that supply chain and needing access to that information. That tends to be who we work with. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So if anyone would like to find out a little bit more, or maybe contact you for a demo, where's the best place that we can send them? So uh, uh, two places, very easy. You can go to our website. If you want to find out more, that's team-canopy.com. Uh, you can also get in touch with us through that. Or just on email, you can get in touch at hello at teamcanopy.com uh, and we'll get back to you pretty much straight away. And we'll link to both of those in the show notes. Nick, Anna, it's been a pleasure talking to you both again. Uh, thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience. And uh, yeah, good luck with the further implementation. Oh, thanks, James. It's been a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. Thanks, James. Thanks, Nick. So that was a good case study around how a supplier management, supplier risk management and vendor intake tool can solve a lot of problems in a very sensitive industry when it comes to managing supplier risk and dealing with a huge amount of vendors. Thank you again for listening to the show. There are a lot of procurement podcasts out there. So we're very, very happy that you decided to listen to us today. Don't forget, if you like us, then don't forget to leave us a quick review on Apple Podcasts so as we can hopefully show up closer to the top of all the different procurement podcasts that are out there. Until next week, take care wherever you are and bye for now. Bye for now.